the question is who's stopping you because it's only the little voice in your head or the perception of your friends or family judging you or a perception of failure or even sometimes success hello everybody and welcome back to mentors today we have on kate strong kate is an award-winning entrepreneur world champion triathlete, a world record holder in cycling, author, engineer, and linguist, and now a business coach. She's always finding new ways to thrive in life by pursuing her dreams and breaking the norm. In this episode, we discuss taking action, turning your life around, and unlocking your potential. I heavily admire Kate, and this episode only strengthened that emotion. I use some of the tips she had at the very end, and it's been working like a charm. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Mentors. Today we have on Kate Strong. Kate, thank you so much for being on. My pleasure. It's been a long time coming and I'm grateful we finally connected here. Uh, as am I. And you know, your story, I, you know, I always love starting out with uh, the, my guest's story, you know, how, where they started out and how they got to where they are. And you can go as far back as you want, like back to when you're a child, or you can be like, oh, in my 20s or in my 30s or my 40s, I did this and then this happened. Um, but I just love to know your life story. Well, okay. That's, well, we've got 40 years to cover. So um, <laughs> where would you like me to start? Would you like me to start sort of closer to where we are now or right at the very beginning? You can start at the very beginning. I think it's really helpful because the generation that listens to this the most is younger people like my age. I'm 18. So just understanding who you were at a younger age and how you built yourself up is something that uh, is a key trait that a lot of people, um, you know, like to look for. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, first off, uh, any age of our life, we're the youngest we'll ever be and also the wisest. So now is always the time to do things. So um, that's something I've always instilled in myself from a very early age realizing there's never a great time except what we have now. So um, I come from an average family. Um, My parents are still together. I have a younger brother. So there was nothing outstanding of my life. I didn't reach, there was no trauma. Uh, We were well uh, well enough for me to go to my school and have a great holidays uh, or vacations at our school holiday breaks. Um, But I always sort of had in me a way of questioning. So I was a good girl, so I stayed within the, the, the limits of school or whatever I was told to do, but I always found ways to make sure I got what I wanted to. So it's always about challenging what you're told, but also making sure that we honor and respect the community that we live within. And so that's something that I really sort of made sure that I stuck within. Um, in school, I wasn't a standout student in any way, shape or form. I did good enough to get to university. Um, it was free. For my age back then so I didn't have to pay to go and study anything else and my parents asked me to choose engineering so I didn't know what else to do so I said yes um, I signed up to do a double masters as you would if it was free um, so I committed five years of my life to study a subject within two weeks I knew I didn't like so I'm not a natural born engineer it's not my I'm much more intuitive I'm much more feeling but I'd given you know, I'd committed to five years. I couldn't afford to change because then I'd have to pay to change as well. So I just stuck at it. And um, I used that as this platform. So even if we're doing, even though I was doing a topic I really didn't enjoy, which I got a double masters in mechanical engineering, I found ways to make sure that I found my passion within. So I found uh, there's ways to actually learn. I love psychology of people and reading people, which is why maybe I'm a business coach now. Um, I learned to read um, how to help my peers as well as the 
um, teachers around me or the uh, lecturers. So I used to ask them, you know, what's your biggest problem here? And they'd talk about, you know, the 11th hour students, they'd have 500 dissertations to do within the night before, you know, everyone would wait till the last minute for their deadlines. So I slowly, slowly, I asked these mentors and or, uh, my teachers and moved the deadline a week earlier. So I, I submitted my work a week earlier. Now, naturally, they were very grateful because I was helping them out. But in turn, they helped me out too. So if I made a mistake, it'd come back to me and I'd have time to correct it too. So it was like a symbiosis of win-win, even though it is still within the school system. And uh, that also gave me the platform to go into Europe. So I have lived for two years in mainland Europe. I finished my double masters in France and Italy, so I'm fluent there and uh, found ways always to, to get traveling. You, we don't need a lot of money to travel, that is one thing. Um, we can also travel with time. So I'd pick up a job as a cleaner or as a dive master or as you know a waitress in Spain and I'd just live on the beach for three months and uh, just, just do that in my vacations or go to the Alps and you know wait tables in the evening but mountain bike in the day. So. It sounds like a dream life, and it was, I guess, and it still is. But I, you know, we've got to think outside the box or outside the square to make it happen too. Oh, definitely. And you did, and, and you know, doing a little bit of research on you, you, you know, you started multiple businesses, and you know, you're like you said, you're really into psychology, and you're your own coach, which is, you know, also like it's so fascinating to see that you. How do I put it? Like you, you expanded in so many areas. You know, like you had a very, I feel like you have a very diverse background, you know, in your job description, especially, you know, how did you get to do, you know, how did you get to, uh, you know, do these things and say, Hey, you know, I can, you know, I'll start my own businesses here, here and here, but in the, you know, but also in my spare time, I want to, I want to go mountain bike. I want to go beyond the beach. Well, the question is who's stopping you? Cause mm -hmm. it's only the little voice in your head or the perception of your friends or family judging you or a perception of failure or even sometimes success. But mm -hmm. if we actually acknowledge that voice is in our heads but don't give it the energy, we can we can do anything because there's nothing stopping you today, you know, doing what you want to do except your belief structure that you have to wait for the, a certain time, maybe after school or when your parents give you the all clear or whatever whatever you believe you have to wait for. So whatever you want to do, just do it. Yeah. Do you, and you know, that's, and that's a really profound thing to start to realize. And it's kind of weird because it's really uh, interesting you bring that up because, um, you know, when I travel or I'm going off to college now or soon, not now, soon. Um, but I start to realize that, you know, life is a very free thing and I could literally do whatever I want to. I just choose not to. And I think that sometimes that's a realization that, you know, most people don't come to, like they feel like they're obligated to do certain things, even though they don't like it. So, you know, how do you, you know, how do you get rid of that mental block and then take action on it? Because you can have the knowledge that like, yeah, I can do whatever, but I choose to stay in bad states. Uh, how do you take action on that as well? Well, I think, you know, you, you actually use the magic word there. It's the word of choice. A lot of people don't even, you know, I myself in, in my days when I thought I was blocked, I said, I just don't have a choice. I have to do this. And I, I was in, I, I've shared a little bit about the joy of my life, but I've also gone through some quite darker times and I felt like I had no choice to life just happened to me. And I was laying down like a victim, if you want, with things happening to me. But as soon as I realized I still had a choice in that moment and I could choose to complain about it if that was my only choice. 
then that's a little sort of, it's like a grain of sand. It'll slowly, slowly work and eventually it will turn into that beautiful pearl and you can shine deeper. And it's just, you know, feeding the habit of, of choice every single day. Yeah. Did you, is that, was that a big part of becoming a world champion triathlon? I think that's a, a very interesting part of your story and that you accomplished that was fantastic. Was it a like, I can do whatever I want. I want to do this. I want to go after it. And then what was the mentality of like, you know, the training, the training process you underwent and even that event, right? You had to endure, <laughs> you know, just all that physical, whew. How did you, you know, what was your mindset coming in and like, how did you train every day and how did you go like, I, you know, I can, I can, I can do this and I'm going to compete. I was going through, like, just to give you a bit of a backstory why I chose to take up triathlon because I, I started in 2012. Um, so that would make me 34 when I started doing that sort of extreme endurance sports. Um, yeah. My relationship of nine years had just broken up six days before our wedding. He'd left me with a million dollar debt. I was living in Australia. My parents and all my family and friends were in mainland Europe. So we're talking about two flights, 36 hours plane separation. Mm -hmm. And to say I felt lonely and abandoned would be a slight understatement. And um, I, was rem I remember I was yet another night having a glass of wine to take the edge off life. To re you know, I was really feeling it and I was beating myself up for getting myself in this shitty position, uh, sorry, bad position, and blaming my, my ex as well for all his role as well. And that's sort of when the penny dropped. I thought, uh, I can either sit here and become this bitter woman who complains about everything for the rest of my life, or I can stand up and say, well, it's never gonna be perfect. I've been waiting to, do things when I was richer, happier, healthier, you know, when I had more time, the magic ingredients for my happy life. Mm -hmm. I went, well, I've got nothing to lose. So I started to look back in my life and maybe what, you know, what you touched on earlier is like, what did I, what did I sell out on? What dreams did I have back five, 10, 15 years ago when I was your age um, that I never pursued because of a fear inside of myself? Mm -hmm. And the word triathlon jumped up and I actually met an American girl in 2003 after I'd finished university traveling and she said, I want to be an Ironman. That's the best I can do for an American accent. I had no idea what an Ironman was, but it sounded so cool. And I compromised and never attempted it. And so sitting there looking at my half glass of wine going, do you know what? I want to be, I want to find out what an Ironman is, then I'm going to be one. And so. That's what I did. And as I said earlier, today was the youngest I'm ever gonna be. I've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Just be my best. And it started off purely for myself, but it slowly spiraled out for other people because working 12 hour shifts, seven days a week, people in the village I lived thought I was quite crazy starting swimming, cycling and running. Because you are right, there's a, a lot of training that goes beneath that. But then after a time, they saw my improvement, they saw my determination, and they saw that I was, you know, slouching a little less, walking a bit more proud, you know, enjoying life a bit more. And it attracted my, my you know, supporters, my friends. People started to come and help me a bit out of work or, you know, let me take an hour off so I can go running a bit earlier. And so over time, it became the community event rather than just the Kate event. And uh, so it became less of me. So the days it hurt, 
I did it for them. And the days it was fun, we all did it together. So it became, the, the way I got through it was actually enrolling the community and taking the ego out of it. You can't be the best every day, but you can be your best every day. And so that's what I focused on. Oh man, like just that resonates, that resonates so much. You know, when you just, just the communal aspect of everything, just the fact that you had supporters and you had people cheering you on as well. And you know, like you said, if it hurt that day and it does hurt some days, you're like, I'm doing it for them because that's what matters, right? It, that's phenomenal in itself. And honestly, I, you know, I love that story. I love that story so much. And you know, when you talk about these negative events in your life that turn into positive events, I've been noticing, you know, there's this key trait there and that's your deep self-awareness. You're very aware of your state of conscious. And I think that's phenomenal, but I don't, but I know for a fact that it's hard for people to attain. Um, it's hard for people, you know, like a lot of people, if they would have had that glass of wine, would have just stared into that glass of wine saying, it's never going to get better. And I'm going to be an awful, like, I'm going to become that bitter person. You know, how, how do you create that mental shift? And how do you actually come to the realization that, you know, that needs to happen? Yeah, it's quite hard. I mean, unfortunately or fortunately, you hear a lot of people awakening or finding those moments at the cliff edge, you know, as their life is crumbling around them. You know, we take massive steps to regain our health when we're about to lose it or, you know, at the bottom of that bottle of wine or the bank balance, that's when we start to turn our life around. So it's in, you know, it's like the magic question you've just asked is how can we generate it without waiting for the, for the, for the last minute or the, the just to the cusp of losing it all. Um, for me, I mean, the, the way I sort of help people awaken is through a lot of tools. I mean, they're touched on regularly. You see it in the news at the moment through meditation, through actually pausing, disconnecting from, you know, the mobile that's always by our pocket, you know, scrolling for external validation and just start feeling. The, I'm, not a, I'm not a Buddhist or so I'm not religious in any way, shape or form, but the Buddhists describe this quite nicely that they say, you know, we talk about the brain as it only being in our head, but they place the brain in their heart. So if we started thinking with our heart and also acknowledging our brain, then we can start connecting to ourself. Because there's, uh, you know, the saying is like, I hate myself. There's two, there's two subjects in that. There's the subject I and the subject self. So who hates whom? You know, who's running the show in that sentence? Because we're both I and self. So usually when we disconnect ourself from ourself, that is when we don't feel the whole package, so to speak, because we have separated it. Yeah. So is that is that a way of looking at um, is that like a way of looking at yourself as a third person? You know, yeah. you, you, know you saw Kate from a distance, you were like, Kate, I love you but we need to fix stuff. Like how, like, you know, if it's a visualization, like how does that look? Cause I'm so curious about this now. Cause that's like, seriously, this is a new concept to me and I want to understand it. So how does that look? And uh, on a visual, like on a visual standpoint, cause maybe that would help put an image in the head. <laughs> um, visual, I mean, that's what, I mean, visual isn't really my sort of forte. That's obviously yours. I'm much more auditory, which is why I describe things with my words. But um, like, you can imagine it. If you say, you say a lot of words like, oh, you know, I shouldn't do, I, you know, I wouldn't like myself if I did this, or I'm proud of me. 
the two words have created an I entity. So you can imagine a little stick figure on your left and then a me entity, which is, you know, that, that object that we are either proud of or we are chastising. So the, we've actually separated ourselves into two beings at the same time. Now, who you are, theoretically, you can't be both, though we are, but we've sort of intellectually separated ourselves into a good person and a bad person, or you know, the right person and the wrong person. So we've created a binary world within ourselves, which is why a lot of people talk about, I'm torn between two decisions. Part of me wants this, part of me wants that. You know, we do create the separation. So it's, again, the words catching ourselves when we actually use ourselves as two items, if that makes sense. But another word that I, really sort of connect with is integrity mm. if we become our word so if i say to you i'll call you at 7 p.m i call you at 7 p.m because we use our words like again that's not us but people only see us and perceive us by our actions matching or not matching our words and that if you even do it just for yourself that is immensely powerful to create things in your life so if you've got a uh, a sort of a, a habit of saying I'll do it one day or I'll do it later start using words that will set it in the diary so you have to honor your word which means you're honoring yourself and your wishes so uh, that's quite another way of doing it if, you, if the I and self is a little bit far-fetched just bring integrity into it so you do what you say you're gonna do oh definitely yeah because it is, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to lie, you know, doing, you know, saying you're going to do things is always a struggle, right? I mean, is you know, especially when you don't, when you lack that integrity, right? And I'm not going to lie, I'm going to, you know, put myself out there as well. There's times where I say, oh yeah, no, I'll, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get, I'll get that done. I'll, you know, sometime I'll get it done. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't happen. Uh, so you do, you're totally right. You have to have that integrity, integ oh my gosh, you have to have that integrity. Uh, and I honestly, you know, the way you, you, the way you phrase it sounds a little bit of like a self-respect as well. You're like, you need to respect yourself enough to, you know, be able to do these things. Cause if you don't, that's, you know, that's a bad image of yourself that you're, you know, you're projecting onto you. And if it's you hating yourself for not being in, you know, not having that integrity, then maybe that's something we should fix or maybe it's something you have to, have to focus on. So like, that's such a wonderful concept I've never even thought about. So Perhaps, sorry, uh, building, in what, build, building in on what we said earlier mm -hmm. about not making the world right and wrong. You know, if I say to you, I'll be on the phone call at 7 p.m. and I'm not, it's not like be, I am going to beat myself up. Mm -hmm. I just call you up and go, I'm really sorry. You know, what can I do to make sure that, you know, I fix this? So it's giving you the space to have your, you know, your words of saying, you know, how that impacted you, but also giving me the space to still hold power in myself and not beat myself up and sort of play a smaller game because I think I'm a wrong person. So integrity is also just about doing it or not doing it. There's nothing right or wrong about it. Do you think that's one of the key traits to unleashing human potential? Because I know that's something you like that uh, you have big discussions on. So, and we talked about, you know, doing things and getting things done and having that integrity and, you know, accomplishing the same things you're going to say you're going to accomplish. Ooh, I'm stumbling on my words today. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, what are some other, what are some other key traits you've noticed in people in your coaching that you send, oh man, like if you just fix this one thing, 
um, you can really, you know, unlock that inner being. Yeah, um, I think it's, I know this sounds really simple, it's integrity. Like, mm. uh, it's bringing it back to basics. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I do this a lot as well. And recently in my business, I've actually scaled it back because I wanted to go out and save the world and, you know, help a million people every, every hour. And I realized that I hadn't got the foundation solid enough yet. So yes, I will eventually, but I'm scaling it back down. And that might be just clean our bedrooms every day. You know, start fresh so there's no clutter in our heads. Make sure that all our inbox is emptied at the end of the week and our to-do list is either done or ticked off. So it's about getting ourselves in order so that when we expand, we're on a stable foundations as well. So uh, yeah, it, it starts with ourselves. So I do that regularly and I expand and refine and contract depending on my best self at the moment as well. Definitely. And, you know, what does that, what does that grounded foundation look like? Is grounded, you know, getting everything done? Is grounded being in a, you know, in a, you know, in a physical and emotional, spiritual sense, like, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're leveled out, we're calm. Uh, what is, what is a good form of being grounded? Well, you know, I'm not enlightened. I'm not a spiritual being that floats in the cloud. Grounded to me every day. Like this morning, I woke up in a bit of a mood. I had a 10 minute lie-in. I really didn't want to get out of bed. So my grounded today was, you know, a five minute meditation. I do have my habits. I cook myself breakfast as well. So I always have the same green smoothie and I walk to work. So that's my, you know, 5,000 steps uh, in the morning to clear my head and I listen to an audiobook at the same time. So I have specific habits I do regardless of my emotions. So mm. it's not that you wake up zen and you know you, you, you've got a little halo pinching on your head it's about just stepping over our feelings but giving me the space to still have a little bit of a whinge about losing a pair of socks and then playing that bigger game and still sticking to my habits as well yeah how do you how do you make sure that the the emotion doesn't take much control i mean i don't want to i don't want to bash my age group but usually if my sibling or my friend is moody that morning, they're going to be moody for the rest of the day because then they have a justification of, well, I was mad because I lost socks and I don't want to lose these socks. I'm just going to be mad. <laughs> How do you come back around and be like, hey, it's okay that I lost socks, uh, but we still got to get through the rest of the day. So let's do that in the best, in the best way possible. Um, well, for the socks, it's just about realize, play a bigger game. The bigger thing is if you've got a bigger purpose in life, you, you know, I'm still discovering mine and I'm, I could be your mother. That's how old I am. So, but it's about still finding something bigger than yourself. It might be, you know, the plastic ocean. It might be, you know, the, the homeless people you walk past on the, on the streets when you're going to school. It might be, you know, the kids in school who you know are struggling in your class that you just support every now and then. Mm -hmm. You know, just play a bigger game than yourself because then the socks really won't matter. You know, you might have a bit of a whinge in the morning, but at the end of the day, you know you can still go to school and you'll just use another pair or borrow your siblings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, you know, what is, uh, I know you talked about, you know, you loved helping people and you wanted to help, you know, a million people every minute. It, what do you, is that a part of your bigger picture? And what does your bigger picture look like? So it's really interesting. I mean, I've just redefined it recently because I realized I was disconnecting from my, it became, fuzzy words so um, my bigger picture at the moment is I want to end poverty and how I intend to do that is through education so I want to elevate 
education of the masses. Now that might just be three people that I meet this morning and just ask some questions about where they are, or it could be the charity that I'd love to create in the future, or the Indian children I'm sponsoring already to go to school in Delhi where they live. So it doesn't matter the size I play, but my I would love to contribute in ending poverty through education by allowing everybody to, to increase their knowledge base so they can become self-sufficient in the first world countries such as ourselves. So we've got more to give and in more developing countries for them to be educated in what health is, what you know, finance is, what wealth is, what love is, what they can achieve with what resources they have as well. Yeah, no, I think those are giant concepts to to you know grasp in general because I, I the educational system to me is very very interesting right uh, you know being I you know I don't know how it looks all over the world but when I was able to travel I learned that education on a worldwide basis is not the is not where it should be and they're not necessarily teaching the things that they should be so having that ground basis of like I want to teach third world countries about you know what like I guess I think overall you're kind of teaching the possibilities of what life can become and I yeah. think that that's what's gonna, I don't know, like I, I might be wrong, but I think I just kind of saw the overall connection. You want to teach people like, here's what life can be and go out and get it. Like, and that hands down is, you know, what we should all be teaching. And I think that's what you do teaching your coaching uh, every day. Actually, how does your, how does your coaching look like? And you know, who do you coach? Who do you teach? And uh, you know, what are some of the biggest, uh, I guess you can say like issues or kinks in the hose as you know, you, as one could say it. And then how do you unkink the hoses? <laughs> Well, I love, I love business coaching and ironically, very rarely do I talk about businesses because guess who runs businesses, but people. So mm -hmm. it invariably turns into the person and what's blocking them. But it's about my passion is startups. My passion is companies who want to be profitable. So I want them to be wanting to be rich and make a positive contribution to everyone impacted through their company, be it their staff, the environment or the end user as well. So uh, it's purpose driven companies. I'm, uh, my, my kink in the hose was uh, I w wanted to serve too many people. So I'm not sure how you say it in America, but we call it niche over here. I think it's niche, you say? Yeah, no, uh, it's, like, it's like niche or niche. It's, I, okay. I don't know. I think it also depends on region, but go on. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, was, I was covering too big, too big an area. So I've now actually completely niched down into spiritual leaders. So I really want to help people who are light workers, people who actually got a more a heartfelt business, should we say that, and struggle to monetize it. So mm -hmm. that's my current niche. I can serve many others and I'm sure I'll expand. But what I saw was, and this is what I also saw in my clients, because we are a reflection of the people we bring into our lives. So the clients I was serving were serving too many people, solving too many problems and not getting enough traction. And I took that as a sign for me to actually review in my business and you know, the sign was right. So that is where I'm currently serving is. So how it looks is I hold an interview with somebody. So they call me, we have a 15 minute chat. I ask them where they are, where they want to be and how they think I can help them get there. And we agree. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> and then I deliver. So. No, that's awesome. I asked that because, um, you know, I'm, I want to build something of my own and just having that, you know, foresight of, you know, this is a system that works because it just works because it's people and it works is always a very, very helpful thing to have as well. Like I, but 
when it comes down to you know you know you do these coaching you have your own businesses and you do a lot of work but then you also have and, and i know some people hate the term work-life balance i don't know if you're one of the people that are like oh it's dumb like there's no such thing as work-life balance or yeah there is i have time for this time for that uh how do you encapsulate just this overall freedom uh within your day to you know be able to make the money and to be able to live your happiest life Good question. And I think it's always a learn. So it's, I feel like the pendulum is always swinging from perfect, you know, the balanced life to focusing too much on the money to focusing too much on the fun. And it's the pendulum is always swinging from one side to the other. And hopefully it's swinging a lot less over time. Um, but it, can, it comes down to, weirdly, it comes down to systems. I find if I actually have habits and routine, every Wednesday afternoon, I go to the gym and have the afternoon off. I'm giving myself life creativity so I don't step over what's important to me. So I've defined the five or six areas of my life that are important and I make sure that they're all given a dedicated afternoon or a day in a frequency that works and I never step over it. And then I can do whatever I want within the time around that. And that really works for me. Oh, definitely. So, you know, you accidentally cut off a little bit on the first part because of the internet. You say a large, like, I got it because I want to make sure. Uh, is it a, is a large part of it, you know, the scheduling process of being like, there's time for this, time for that? I couldn't exactly yeah. hear in the forefront because then I heard a little bit about creativity and, and you know, exercising. I thought, awesome. What was that little before part? It's actually creating those habits and structure. So it's, you know, making routine and rules if you want. Because weirdly, if it's out of your head, you don't have to think about it. So if I know the first Monday of every month I do my finances and every Wednesday afternoon, as I said, I go to the gym, I don't have to think about, oh, you know, when am I going to the gym next time? It's already scheduled. So my head is free to be creative and actually be in the moment and enjoy what I'm currently doing. Wow. What are, your, what are some of your favorite habits that you have or some of your favorite habits that you've built for yourself? Well, um, I'm a trainee Reiki master at the moment, so I'm loving treating my friends at the moment with Reiki healing. Uh, I'm an engineer, so to, to actually work in the energy healing sort of world is a completely new phenomenon for me. So it's learning all about that. Uh, other habits are just, as I said, I love cooking. So every morning I always make myself the same green smoothie. Uh, and I'm so, I love, I adore the routine and the habit, knowing that I'm fully nourished. So I can eat junk food for the rest of the day, but I know in the morning I've got my, I've got my sort of macro and micronutrient fill. Um, trying to think of other habits. Once a month, I always go camping. So I completely disconnect from electronics and I get my tent, my boyfriend and I drive somewhere, we free camp. So we just rock up on a mountain and sleep there and cook and wake up to whatever, you know, the morning or the birds or whatever. We didn't even know where we're staying some nights because it's pitch black when we pit, rock up. But it's about just really deeply connecting. Um, but those type of habits, they're, they're quite small, but they really sort of connect to my soul and give me sort of a reason for joy through what I'm doing as well. Oh, no, definitely. A hundred percent. I absolutely love that. And I love the fact that you go camping every month. I want to do that, you know? <laughs> is What's stopping you? <laughs> I know, right? I, you know, you know what? What is stopping me? What is this? Beginning of April? We'll do this <laughs> at the end of April. I know I'll have the, hopefully, no, I will have the time. There we go. <laughs> make time. You can make time, I'm sure. Oh, definitely. And Kate, sadly, we're running out of time. I love, you know, I love talking to you. I would, you know, talk to you for hours. I love your insight and your knowledge. Um, and I know my audience is too. Where can everyone find you? Where can everyone, you know, see your work? 
Sure, I, I love connecting, so I'm massively social. I always write my own mass emails as well. Um, I do have a team, but I make sure that I read and reply myself. So it's um, my website's katestrong.co, no M, so it's katestrong.co, or Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. Again, reach out. I, uh, I happily connect, happily listen to your stories as well, and uh, share any more insights and information if people want that as well. Wonderful. Kate, once again, thank you so much for being on. My pleasure. Thank you.